0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crush with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Kromelow, and I'm joined this week by Matt Barr, the co-host of the Fourth and Gold podcast, a must-listen for San Francisco 49ers fans and football fans in general. And Matt, it's hard to believe we're already at the top of the stretch of another NFL season, and this Thanksgiving week, it brings us some very exciting and consequential matchups, including some potential Game of the Year candidates, doesn't it?
1: It sure does. I mean, we've hit the the third quarter poll now. Right. It's the home stretch for all the teams. You're looking at the last four or five games for everybody. Uh, There's still a lot to be decided up and down. Um, There's some really good games on tap this weekend. Of course, that being Thanksgiving, we get three games on Thursday. It's great.
0: Uh, yeah, except two of those games on Thursday, I expect to be ho hum and boring, but there's one that <laughs> I uh, really like in Buffalo and Dallas, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, first, let's uh, go to our Week 12 takeaways, and I'll go first here. And my main takeaway is the Los Angeles Rams are in trouble, as I feared big trouble. Their $112 million franchise quarterback, Jared Goff, has been exposed as a quarterback who is only as good as his offensive line is, as evidenced by the decline of that unit, and his zero touchdown, five interception, four fumble, 58.9 pass rating, month of November. But that is just the tip of the iceberg. Why? First, they're going to be hamstrung by the salary cap next season and in seasons to come. According to overthecap.com, they will have over $95 million tied up into four players. Goff, Aaron Todd Gurley, who, by the way, is way past his prime due to his arthritic knee, and Brandon Cooks. And dead cap charges make it impossible for them to release any of those four players next season. Next. Most of their estimated $26 million in cap space will likely have to go toward re-signing Jalen Ramsey, for whom they traded away their 2020 and 2021 first-round picks. And thus, due to the lack of financial capital and high-end draft capital, it's going to take a miracle of miracles for them to rebuild that offensive line and help get Jared Goff back on track these next few seasons. And to top it off, their best offensive lineman, Andrew Whitworth, he's likely retiring after this season. Nobody should be surprised if the Rams end up in the NFC West cellar as early as next season. Should they, Matt?
1: No, not at all. Uh, Arizona is up and coming. The la- uh, The last five or six games for Arizona, their offense has really started to cliff, uh, click. Excuse me. Cliff Kingsbury has really got that offense humming. Uh, the Rams are in big, big trouble. Like you said, they've got five players that are going to be taking up a majority of the cap. Now, I know I like to say that the salary cap is a myth and you can make it work for for just about anybody, But the way that the the Rams have sunk their money in and guaranteed money is the big part, guaranteed money to these players, they are in big trouble. And without the the draft capital to kind of reload, they're going to have to do some finagling or trades. And you could see somebody like Brandon Cooks. You could see somebody like even Aaron Donald possibly on the move in the offseason as a trade.
0: Oh, they – I hate to say it, but they should absolutely consider that uh, even though Aaron Donald is arguably still the best defensive player in football, even though he's had a down year, mainly due to the offensive str- struggles and the fact that he has no help on that defensive line with the Dabikinsu gone. gone, uh, mm. you have to consider blowing this thing up because this thing is going nowhere fast.
1: It really is. And and, and Sean McVay has gone from Wonderkin to is he over his head in 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 just a span of a couple of years I mean Jared Goff went from bust to superstar and now he's right back to bust his it, whole Los Angeles Rams team has been a roller coaster the last couple of years
0: oh it most certainly has a typical uh big market uh, fashion and that Stan Cronky uh I'm not sure he's the best owner for this team either, although uh, it's going to take a miracle for that team to be sold as it is any team. But uh, it just feels like that Jalen Ramsey trade reeked of Daniel Snyderism, didn't it?
1: It did. It was, it was, it was a big swing home run kind of swing And and they're going to strike out on it really is what's going to happen. Um, it did feel Dan Snyder ish. It did feel like trying to go out and pay $100 million for Albert Hainsworth and think that a tiny band aid is going to stop the dam from just overflowing. I didn't like the move for the Rams. I did think Jalen Ramsey was worth two first round picks. I just don't think he was the guy that's going to push them over the top. And, and, and when they made that trade, I, I looked at it and I go, goodness gracious. I am so happy that the Rams made that trade because they are headed straight to the cellar of the NFC West for the next couple of years.
0: We're sapotical there, and we sound the sapotical alert to celebrate there. And, uh, Matt, what was uh, your main takeaway from Week 12?
1: There is three teams that were at the top of the NFC and AFC that did not play very well on Sunday. Uh, I don't think that the Patriots played very well at home. I think they had a, a a lackluster game against the Cowboys. And really, I mean, they're a tripping penalty away from possibly losing that game. And they kind of looked exposed a little bit. Now, their defense is good, and the defense will travel, and the defense will play in weather. And we saw most of that against the Cowboys. But their offense, it's, it's not moving. It's not doing so hot. The Cowboys did not enter with a very good defense or an okay defense or not great. And the Patriots just couldn't get anything going. You can blame the weather. You can talk about all this other stuff. They're at home. You expect a Tom Brady-led team to be better. Tom Brady is starting to show his age. In the NFC, I mean, the Saints at home against the Panthers, just they haven't looked good in their division games. And and Breeze, another, another guy, is starting to show his age a little bit. Look, the offense can hum, but their defense is showing a lot of cracks. I know Christian McCaffrey is a fantastic player, but Kyle Allen was tearing up their secondary left and right. Uh, it, they almost lost at home against you know, against the Carolina Panthers, who had been sputtering for the last couple weeks. And then you look at the Green Bay Packers. They travel to San Francisco and just get absolutely blasted. I mean, just from the very, from, from the third play of the game, when, when Aaron Rodgers gets the ball knocked out and the 49ers take over and score a touchdown, I thought to myself, the game's over because the 49ers defense was going to feast on Aaron Rodgers. Their defense, it seems like their their parts are better than the whole the whole defense is together. I think the scheme just isn't quite there and they haven't gelled as a team yet. It's a lot of free agent additions, it's a lot of young rookies coming in trying to play together and I just don't think they've gelled yet. To, to, to take that next step and I think they're in a little bit of trouble if they can't get the run game going and take a lot of pressure off Aaron Rodgers the offense kind of sputters and the defense like I said really good parts Z'Darrius Preston Smith very good parts but working all together it, it's just not happening yet
0: oh yes there is a definitely a reliance on big plays and turnovers from that defense need to win games and when they don't get those big plays it also hamstrings the team
1: yeah, absolutely, and, and and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't do Jimmy Garoppolo things on Sunday night, and he didn't turn the ball over, uh, so that really put the defense in a heart and you know put their backs up against the wall. And when Aaron Rodgers couldn't get the offense going, the whole team just looked like completely overmatched against another heavyweight in the NFC.
0: And uh, I agree with about the New Orleans Saints as well. Their defense has looked absolutely troubling. Uh, in recent weeks, and heck, their defense uh, allowed Kyle Allen to go gangbusters on them when the Falcons' defense, an arguably worse unit, just punched Kyle Allen in the mouth one week ago. Man, it's uh, it's like what is going on with these Saints? They're like uh, they're uh, get they're close to losing games against average teams that they already did against the Falcons and they almost did against the Panthers. This is a very troubling sign for them. Yeah, they really
1: have to pull it together because uh, not not this week, but next week the 49ers come to town for the Saints. You know, this week they get the Falcons again, who they just lost to. So they're really up against it right now. And, and I know they should beat the Falcons are going on the road Thanksgiving night. Um it, but they really have to put it together and they have to get it together quick. Their Super Bowl window is closing so quickly as Drew Brees ages out. I mean, if he's if he chooses to retire at the end of this year, Teddy Teddy Two Gloves Teddy Bridgewater was fantastic in filling in for for Drew Brees, but I don't know if he can sustain that success for an entire year. And he's not signed past this year for them either. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He could take this money. He could go elsewhere. So the Saints really have to get it together if they want to kind of have one big last Drew Brees, Sean Payton push to the Super Bowl.
0: You said it, and that brings us to our next game. Truth or exaggeration? And you know how this game goes. And we start with two teams out of the playoff picture. The Giants and Lions should put Saquon Barkley and Matthew Stafford, respectively, on the shelf for the remainder of the 2019 season. Truth or exaggeration?
1: I'm going to say truth, and I'm going to say exaggeration. I'm going to say truth for Matt Stafford. They should absolutely shelf him. Now, the Lions are a funny team. They are 3-7-1. and one and they've had a lead in all 11 games it means 8 times they have lost the lead neither lost or tied which they tied Arizona in week 1 they should absolutely shelve Matt Stafford for the year it's a loss season you can't have it look Jeff Driscoll you got to find out can he be that next guy Stafford's been an iron man it's time to just kind of shut him down for the year let him go not let him go just you know don't don't rush it right now They're going to come back next year. They have good receivers. They they can get another good draft pick. TJ Hawkins can get another year under him. Don't push Matt Stafford right now. Don't injure him further. Now, exaggeration is on the Giants' side. The Giants need to see what Daniel Jones can do down the stretch. You can't take away his best weapon, especially when he's been playing without pretty much any receivers for a long stretch of the year. The the injuries are not doing Daniel Jones any favors, and I know he leads the league in lost fumbles, Um, but – he needs Saquon in there so that they can really see how those two gel together. Um, that's your young core. That's that's your quarterback and your cornerstone running back. that You're trying to build this team around. They need to develop a rapport, and they need to get reps together in game, not in practice, and, and really see if they can take this team to the next level.
0: I'll differ from you on Saquon Barkley, and here's why. Uh, Saquon Barkley, the Giants spent – a fortune on him in the draft drafting him at two overall and injuries have held him back this year you don't want him to get injured at the most uh injured position in football there i say you don't want to risk further damage to him and he is essential to the development of daniel jones and if uh, there's any chance of it getting worse don't do it shelve him
1: I completely understand that. I, I really do. I really do. I just think that the Giants need to get them more reps together because he did miss a, a, a Barkley did miss a significant chunk of time um, with with an ankle injury, and, and I just I want to see them get better together. And I I know it's a I know it's a position that takes a lot of injuries, but I think the way Saquon Barkley plays, he's he's a smart player. He's very strong. He obviously, I mean, he he returns some injury very quickly. Injuries can happen at any time. I don't think you should shelve somebody just for the, the fear of injury. Um, now, with Matt Stafford, I've said he's already hurt. You just want to just shelve him for the year now. Don't want to get him hurt worse. Barkley's healthy. I think he needs the reps with Daniel Jones to get better.
0: The Tennessee Titans' biggest offseason priority should be extending Ryan Tannehill. Truth or exaggeration?
1: I mean, i got to say truth here just because the, the quarterback market is bare is bare. Now it's a big draft class coming in and there's a lot of guy. a lot of people are very hyped about it, but we we've seen these hyped classes kind of come in and just sputter. Right. And, and Ryan Tannehill seems to be having a career rejuvenation in Tennessee. He's four and one as a starter. He's playing, you know, he's not playing super well, but he's playing well enough to win football games. And they're not asking Tannehill to go out and throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. Just don't turn the ball over and just be accurate with your throws and, you know, I, I think Tennessee is building something there in offense. And I, I think they should be bringing back Ryan Tannehill next year.
0: Oh, I completely agree there. Uh, the Titans, they have a top five defense right now, in my opinion. And uh, they got some young pieces on that defense that will only continue to get better, most notably a Jeffrey Simmons. And I think Kevin Byard uh, still has room to grow. And Kevin Byard is already arguably the best free safety in the national football league, but when you look mm-hmm. at that offense, they got weapons. Uh, uh, you got Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, who is turning out to be a stud wide receiver. Uh, Johnu Smith, uh, if he gets more consistent, he he could be better. And obviously, Derrick Henry, man, uh, mm-hmm. that guy just turns it on at this time of year, man. This Titans team is built to win and compete at the highest possible level right now, and Ryan Tannehill gives you that stability at quarterback to give them a shot to win a Super Bowl with with this group of players that we move to the Cowboys where although Jason Garrett deserves to be fired at season's end, Jerry Jones remains the Cowboys biggest problem. Truth or exaggeration?
1: It's a truth. Anytime you have a, an owner that, that meddles in a team like Jerry Jones does, I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, the 49ers saw it with Jed York when Jed York kind of stepped all over Jim Jim Harbaugh's Toes ended up having that break up, and we saw the debacle that was the 49ers for multiple years until they finally got it turned around. Uh, Daniel Snyder, another guy, just can't keep his hands out of the cookie jar, and he's the, the Redskins are going nowhere until he sells the team. Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett both deserve to go. Jerry Jones kind of needs to be put out to pasture and just kind of like, hey, I'm going to sit up here in a booth. I'm going to relinquish my GM duties. I'm going to relinquish my president duties. I'm just going to own the team and pay somebody that knows what they're doing to take over for me.
0: Yes, uh, the biggest problem with Jerry Jones as uh, Michael Lombardi noted in his one of his weekly columns in The Athletic this week is that he wants a coach to be a puppet of his. And you can't win in the NFL that way.
1: Absolutely. It's it's you can't have this stuff um again with the Daniel Snyder thing. Daniel Snyder expects everyone to call him Mr. Snyder. When everyone, doesn't matter who it is, intern, head coach, whatever, Mr. Snyder. You can't have a, a a company culture like that. Jay Gruden was happy to get fired from the Redskins. He was happy to be free of that contract and happy to be free of that. I, I, look, I don't think Jason Garrett's going to be happy to be fired from the Cowboys because I think he's just going to clap it up and be just, just, he's so ingrained with the Cowboys. But you can't have a puppet. You got to let the head coach be the head coach. You got to let the GM be the GM. And I think you got to find two guys that work well together. In that, in that respect, and, and they, work, they they play off each other and they complement each other's strengths.
0: Yeah, well, unlike Daniel Snyder, uh, Jerry Jones is lucky that he has a personnel staff to hide a lot of his deficiencies, but now with all this talent, uh, the problems with the coaching and what he wants in a coach is rearing their, ugly he- or rearing their ugly heads big time right now, and the Jaguars should go back to Gardner Minshew at quarterback to close out the season, especially if Nick Foles continues to lay eggs. Truth or exaggeration?
1: Absolute truth. Minshew mania, get the mustache back out there, right? Look, the kid showed he can win some games. He showed he was going to take his lumps. I think you got to figure out what you have with Minshew. The team is likely not making the playoffs. The AFC is, is, is muddled after the Buffalo Bills when it comes to the, the wild card. It's wide open. But Nick Foles isn't winning games. He's not playing well. you got to go with Minshew. you got to see what you have to see if you can move on. Look, I already said that the, the quarterback market is going to be very bare. Nick Foles is one of those guys that's just going to bounce from team to team to team. And he's going to be able to ride that Super Bowl win to another contract from another team. He already did it with the Jaguars. I think he can do it with another team. Another team is going to be willing to trade for him. You look at teams like the Tampa Bay Bucks, who are going to need a quarterback at year's end. Somebody will trade for him. The Chicago Bears would give Nick Foles a chance. You know, there's teams out there that willing to give him a chance. I think you got to roll with Minshew.
0: Where's the go there? And speaking of quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson has now pulled ahead of Russell Wilson in the 2019 NFL MVP race. Truth or exaggeration?
1: Absolute truth. I was banging the drum for Russell Wilson about four weeks ago. I was saying he is the guy. He's the MVP. Without him, the the Seahawks are, are a bad football team. I still believe that. But Lamar Jackson has taken over that mantle, and he's running away with it right now. He is far and away the MVP. He's putting up monster numbers, and he's winning football games. Look, if the Ravens are a middling 500 team and he's putting up these numbers, it's a moot conversation. But he is clearly the most valuable player to his team because they. we saw, we all saw what the Ravens were with Joe Flacco last year and what happened once they brought in Lamar Jackson. He has taken that next step. He is clearly the reason that they are 9-2 and two right now. Absolutely, Lamar Jackson, runaway MVP right now.
0: I would have to agree with you there as well. And now we go into our coachy carousel discussion because at this point in the NFL season, we already have to start talking about which coaches are likely to get fired and, uh, and things like that. So, um, in this game, I will mention a head coach and you tell us whether the team should fire him or retain him starting with the Bengals, at Zach Taylor. Do you fire Zach Taylor or retain him?
1: you have to retain him i i thought the bengals had the, the least talented roster coming into the year and i think it's unfair to fire a guy that, uh, one year in um when you're trotting out a, a quarterback like uh, you know finley who just doesn't have it and, and they haven't had aJ green all year you gotta, you got to give him another shot
0: Yes, I definitely understand that sentiment. That's the same reason why I tell uh, Broncos fans that we have to give Vic Fangio not one, but at least two more years, given the state mm-hmm. of the Broncos roster. But Taylor is kind of different, as Michael Lombardi attested to, because the Bagels are more likely not going to have the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, and the, the pick will like, likely be Joe Burrow. And uh, you need somebody uh, who has a scheme that will fit Joe Burrow, and Michael Lombardi is not sure Zach Taylor is up to that challenge.
1: Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Um, and again, it comes down to do they go quarterback first overall? It looks like Joe Burrow is going to be that guy, but there's a lot that can change. And Chase Young from Ohio State is also playing out of his mind right now, and he's just so talented. They could look at him and be like, hey, you know what, we can roll with what we got for another year. Let's go get that difference-maker pass rusher um, and, and and go from there. Maybe take a quarterback later on that maybe fits his scheme a little bit better. Uh, I, I don't think that Joe Burrow right now is the home-run first overall pick if the Bengals get the first overall pick.
0: It'll be a very fast-paced discussion that the Bengals will be having between Joe Burrow and Chase Young for these next uh, five months or so. Should the Giants fire or retain Pat Shermer? I think you gotta retain him.
1: And again, it comes down to young quarterback stability. You don't wanna just have all this change for Daniel Jones. I don't think he was the right pick at six overall. I don't think he's the long term answer. Maybe he is. We saw a lot of a lot of flashes in the preseason. So I think you gotta keep some stability for the kid and let him learn and develop under the same system so you're not just system hopping him and just wrecking the early part of his career.
0: Very good point there. The Atlanta Falcons, and this is interesting, last week I was in agreement with Hal Bent that the Falcons should retain Dan Quinn if they kept playing the way they did uh, in the New Orleans game and in the Panthers game. But what a difference a week's make. They uh, hit rock bottom again. So should the Falcons fire or retain Dan Quinn?
1: I think they should fire him. I think a lot of the stuff that was coming with the wins where they, they beat the Saints and all of a sudden they're riding a little bit of a high. Uh, No, you got to fire Dan Quinn. You got to move on. Uh, You know, they know what they have with Dan Quinn. Um, They have so much talent on offense. It's inexcusable for them to not be winning football games, especially when your defensive head coach is coaching a poor defense. I can't do that. That's the stuff that will kill me. If a defensive coach is coaching a poor defense, it's time to move on, time to get somebody new.
0: Yep. Looks like Dan Quinn is back to being fired right now, and I would be surprised if he isn't. The Jacksonville Jaguars, should they fire or retain Doug Marone?
1: Oh, you gotta fire Marone. You gotta get rid of Marone. Look, he 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 walked out in Buffalo. I, I I don't think he has the chops to be an NFL head coach. I think he kind of fell backwards into a legitimate defense and they just he hasn't been able to do much with that team. They had the one good year, and you can argue was Miles Jack down, was he not down? Whatever you wanna say in the SEC championship game. But I don't think he's the guy. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like Marone very much. I, I just think he's he's not the answer in Jacksonville. And I think they can go out and get a young offensive-minded guy that can really run with Gardner Minshew and some of the young talent they have on offense. You know, you looking at guys like DJ Chark, uh, Leonard Fournette, Minshew. You know, they got the talent there. D.D. Westbrook. They got. They got players. They need a better scheme in there that can get the most out of those guys.
0: Yeah, and also in that AFC Championship game, Doug Marone, he wasn't aggressive. He wasn't putting his foot on the gas when he needed to the most. and That's the opposite of what you wanted a head coach in today's NFL. Doug Marone must go. And last but not least, should the Lions fire or retain Matt Patricia?
1: This is tough. This is tough. I like Matt Patricia. But I'm going to go back to that stat I said earlier. The Lions are 3-7-1. and one. They've had a lead in all 11 games, and they've only won three of them. I think a lot of that comes down to coaching, and I think you gotta, you got to move on from Matt Patricia. I think he's just the latest in a very, very long line of Belichick disciples that do not work out once they leave the umbrella of Bill. I think the Lions got to move
0: on. Oh, that's an interesting point, but uh, the Lions have had a very similar season as the Broncos. Like, the Broncos have been— Uh, leading in a lot of their games as well, and yet they're three at eight. So under that same logic, shouldn't the Broncos fire Vic Fangio?
1: No, but it's because it's Fangio's first year doing this. This is not Patricia's first year. Fangio is learning to be a head coach year one. Patricia's been doing this for—this is now his second year. I just think you got to move on from him. And Fangio— Look, Fangio's learning. He's taking his lumps. He has taken his lumps as a head coach. Patricia took those last year, and he's still taking them this year. And if he hasn't figured it out, you know, 27 games into his coaching career, I don't know if he's ever going to figure it out. Uh,
0: Yes, but another argument uh, for uh, firing Patricia and retaining Fangio is I think the Lions have a much better roster than the Broncos do, and it's inexcusable that the Lions keep losing these games with this – much talent Broncos uh, are losing games because they're young and still learning Lions are uh, pretty much more of a veteran team
1: yeah absolutely and and, and, and much like Marone it's, it's, it's a guy with a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball and they have to get more out of it you got some solid receivers good tight ends it, you know when when Matt Stafford's healthy it's a different story they need to get another they need to get an offensive minded head coach in there in, in 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 Detroit and really just not clean house but just maximize what they have because they have a lot of talent.
0: Especially with Matthew Stafford, who was playing at a very high level before the injury uh, Mm -hmm. this season. And now we talk about our game of the week, a potential Super Bowl preview that you will be at in person. The San Francisco 49ers, fresh off that statement, victory over the Green Bay Packers. And after that game... If uh, there are any more 49er daughters down at your own peril, traveling to Baltimore to take on uh, MVP Lamar Jackson and that exciting Ravens offense, an electric football team on both sides of the football. And what makes this game so unique, aside from it being a potential Super Bowl preview, is that it's a battle between an unstoppable force, which is Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense, against an immovable object, the 49ers defense, and both units— have players and schemes that could perfectly exploit weaknesses and nullify strengths of the other side, don't they?
1: They really do. this, this is such a good matchup. Um, you, know, you know you talked about the statement win for the 49ers. the 49ers strengths matched up very well with the Packers weaknesses. But when you look at the you look at the 49ers and, and the Ravens, they can't really find a a, a break, right? Where, where the where the Ravens are really strong is is in their run game and their offense, but the 49ers' defense is so, so good. The the Ravens defense is is a solid, solid defense. And and the 49ers are starting to get uh starting to get their offensive legs underneath them with the return of George Kittle and the emergence of Debo Samuel at wide receiver. This is a fun one, man. This is gonna like you said, it could be a Super Bowl preview. This could be game of the year. It, it's just this is two juggernauts getting ready to go at it here in week 13.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, when you look at the 49ers defense, and we're going to talk about this more in our key matchups, they've got the horses on the edges and in the middle to contain uh, Lamar Jackson and that ground attack. But on the flip side, the Ravens have the speed to uh, catch the 49ers at their uber aggressiveness off guard. So this could easily go both ways for a lot of the game. Each side is going to get it's fair share of uh, ups and downs
1: yeah the key the key to the game for the 49ers is going to be to win up front defensively it really just with just those four guys right just your four defensive linemen you don't want to have to send blitzers we saw when when LA blitzed lamar jackson monday night it did not go well for LA they got smoked when they blitzed lamar jackson and take that him-
0: lamar jackson can't throw people
1: Yes, exactly. They got smoked once they blitz him, and it's because they couldn't get pressure with just their front four. The key to beating the Ravens is getting pressure with your front four, dropping seven, spying one, having one player just do nothing but keep his eye on Lamar Jackson the whole time.
0: Indeed. And let's go to our uh, key matchups of this game. And that guy who's going to have his eye on Lamar Jackson the whole game, I believe is going to be my man, Fred Warner. And uh, in case uh, I haven't told you, Matt, I interviewed Fred at the Senior Bowl in 2018. He was one of the best players on the field that day and I was like, man, can only the Broncos get him at the 49ers, get him one pick before, but uh, it was meant to be. Uh, uh, Fred Warner told me that uh, Bobby Wagner is the guy he looks up to the most at the linebacker position, and he's played the Bobby Wagner role in the Robert Sala defense at a very, very high level. Watching him and his speed and his instincts, spying Lamar Jackson all game long is going to be one of the most decisive matchups of this game, and that is the matchup I'll be watching the most.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Fred Warner, he's playing like a top five linebacker in the league right now in the league. I think I think Fred Warner is a stud. I thought a lot of people thought that once Quan Alexander went down with his torn pectoral muscle that Fred Warner was going to take a little bit of a slide back just because he's given more responsibilities and he has to step up into that role. He's stepped up and he's just grown into it. It's a lot of fun to watch Fred Warner play football. He had 11 tackles on, on Sunday night. He led the team. He leads the team for the year. The, first play, the third play from scrimmage, he's the one that punched the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. He has a handful of sacks. He's playing very well in coverage. Fred Warner, absolute stud. Now, look, Lamar Jackson's faster than Fred Warner, but Fred Warner's very good at taking the right angles, and he tackles extremely well. He doesn't miss many tackles.
0: Indeed. And what other matchups should we have our eyes on in this amazing game?
1: My biggest one. My biggest one, it's going to be DJ Jones, the 49ers nose tackle, who disrupted the Packers run game on Sunday night, and he really took it over. He's a wrecking ball. The Ravens just lost their starting center for the year.
0: Yes, they did. Matt Scura. So
1: Matt Scura went down for the year. DJ Jones versus the backup, the backup center for the Ravens, and can he anchor the center of that defense and disrupt Mark Ingram and the run game enough, enough, to free up the second level to to step up and make the plays.
0: Yes, uh, that puts the Ravens offensive line in a predicament because on running plays, do you double D.J. Jones, who is uh, the 49ers' arguably their best run defender, and uh, free up DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa to make plays? Uh, that puts them in a bind.
1: It really does. It, it's pick your poison with the 49ers defensive line because you didn't even mention the team leader in sacks and Eric Armstead.
0: Oh, Eric Armstead, what a turnaround he said. He's gone from a bust to a legitimate player. He's taken that
1: same exact step that DeForest Buckner took last year where you know two years ago DeForest Buckner was getting, he was getting a lot of pressures, but he, the sack numbers weren't there. Last year, Armstead was doing that. Armstead was getting the pressures, but he wasn't getting the numbers. Now, Armstead is taking advantage of the fact there's so much talent on that defensive line, and he is beating his guys one on one. And when he is rarely doubled, he's beating doubles to get sacks. He's he's found a way to close on quarterbacks, and it's such a huge, huge improvement for him. Look, it's like I said, it's pick your poison on that defensive line. Who do you double? What do you do? Because even if you take a tight end and you try and block down on these guys, then you free up guys like Fred Warner. Like rookie Dre Greenlaw, the linebacker, who is extremely fast and athletic. There's a lot of playmakers in that 4 defense, and you really have to choose who do you want to neutralize on any given play.
0: That is indeed a matchup I was thinking of as well. And uh, let's go to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for a second. Is this arguably the biggest game of his career to date? Like, uh, say the Ravens score early and often, which is very possible, even though the Niners have their defense. uh, This will likely be the game where he must prove that he can go toe-to-toe with elite quarterbacks in a potential shootout.
1: I think this is the most important game of his career, and I think this is following the Seattle game. I think the Seattle game before this was the most important game of his career. Because this team is so good, and and a lot of people doubt his ability to lead this team and just carry this team, and I think he's shown that he can, and he has that ability. As long as you're not getting a ton of drops from the wide receivers like we've seen from the 49ers this year, I think he'll be okay. The the 49ers are still going to run the ball, and what they're going to do, most importantly, is they're going to go with the play action. Against the Packers, Garoppolo was 6-for-6 for 122 yards and two touchdowns off play action for a perfect 158.3 quarterback rating. The play-action game is going to be absolutely pivotal for the 49ers. It gets Garoppolo a little bit out of the pocket, buys him some time, buys him some space, because he still can move, even coming off that ACL. But I think you're absolutely right. This is the most important game of his career, and he needs to show that he can go on the road in a very big matchup and win a football game.
0: And in a hostile environment to boot, that place is going to be hopping loud on Sunday.
1: It will, and it's going to be raining again. So 90 percent chance of rain again this week. So you know that can play into a lot of this. We we talk about you know you want to see them throw the ball, you want to see them run the ball. If the field becomes a boggy mess, it's going to be kind of become a slugfest, and who can who can survive the haymakers that these two
0: teams are going to throw at each other? Totally, and that plays to the strengths of of both teams because both teams play the exact same brand of physical smash mouth football at day's end.
1: They do, they do. I think it. I think it it takes a little bit away from what the Ravens can do. So what, what I like the Ravens, well I like that the Ravens do is they have a bruiser in Mark Ingram, right? So they like to line up three wide, spread the defense out, get the nickel, get the sub package on the field, and then run the ball up the middle with Mark Ingram. You know, run him out of shotgun, just let him get a nice draw going, a nice just inside zone, and just let him bruise through a defense that is now trotting out, you know, an extra DB instead of a linebacker out there to try and tackle him. It, it's, it's a really good combo because Lamar Jackson can move, and I think he's strong enough and, and fast enough to run away from linebackers, but Mark Ingram's strong enough and, and just bullish enough to run through defensive backs when they're trying to tackle him.
0: And uh, let's not forget there are two other horses in that backfield, In uh, Gus Edwards, he's no slouch, and the rookie, Justice Hill. Like If the 49ers need a lightning fast play from one of their running backs, Justice Hill can provide that, and the 49ers have to be aware of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's compliments everywhere on that offense. Look, Greg Roman, the, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers he when was. they had Colin Kaepernick and, and Frank Gore and Kendall Hunter. He's run this offense before. He knows what he's doing. He's got a very similar offensive scheme to when he was in San Francisco. Obviously, he's got some wrinkles and some counters and stuff in it that is very different from when he was in San Francisco. But he's very comfortable running this scheme, and he knows exactly how to coach it.
0: He most certainly does, and it would be an absolute disgrace if he's not a head coach somewhere next year.
1: Yeah, you know, I think he's really kind of come around, and he's evolved from when he was under Harbaugh, and then, you know, obviously when Rex Ryan fired him in Buffalo, he got the short end of the stick on that one, because Rex Ryan is an egomaniac and couldn't, you know, realize his defense giving up 375 yards and 40 points was was the defense's fault, not not, not Greg Rowan's fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I think he will be one of those guys. I think when you look at a team like Jacksonville, he could be one of those head coaching candidates down there if they move on from Doug Maroon.
0: Oh, I could only imagine what he could do with Gardner Minshew, a guy who is uh, just as good from the pocket as he is uh, on the ground, man.
1: Yeah, and again, it would be kind of like moving into the same sort of offense where they have that same, you know, the, the Jaguars have those weapons on the outside and they got that big beefy runner in Leonard Fournette.
0: Very, very good point. But back to this game for a second. Who do you think comes away victorious at what should be an exciting game Sunday at m and Bank Stadium?
1: It hurts my heart, but I think the Ravens win. If this game was in Santa Clara, I think the 49ers take it, but it's not. So I think the Ravens are going to come away with the win. Uh, it's it's going to be close. I got it a four-point game. Uh, I know the spread right now, I believe, is sitting at five and a half, and it keeps bobbing up and down. But I think the Ravens win by four.
0: I am going to go with the 49ers, and here's why. I think that Matt Skura injury could be a very underrated injury, as Mike Garofolo of NFL Network, who uh, broke the story, said. Uh, people inside that Ravens building said that Matt Skura was arguably the most important offensive lineman for them to execute this scheme. And now without him and getting a downgrade, going up against that front four, uh, yes, the rest of the Ravens' offensive line is very talented. Ronnie Stanley is a beast, and uh, Orlando Brown has become a monster. Screw that combat performance, man. Uh, Ozzie Newsome <laughs> got a highway robbery with him in the third round in his final draft to go along with Lamar Jackson. And uh, Marshall Yonda is still balling, uh, despite this uh, being one of his final years of the league. Uh, but that one guy on that offensive line... People who can't on an offensive line tend to cancel out those who can way too often. And with the talent the 49ers have on the defensive line, that just might be enough to make a difference in a slop fest 49ers 23, Ravens 20. And now let's predict the rest of these Thanksgiving week games. Uh, the first game on Thanksgiving Day, ho-hum, Bears at Lions, who might be starting a 3rd Street quarterback because Jeff Driscoll has a hamstring issue. So Mr. Trubisky against Daniel Ball... Uh, B-L-O-U-G-H, uh, f- forgive me if I mispronounced that name. Uh, talk about boring, but that said, I think the Lions are overdue for a regression to the mean because they have been, uh, along with the Broncos, the most uh, unluckiest teams in football this year with uh, injuries and coming up short and close games. Lions take an ugly one, 17-13.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script on that one. I'm gonna go the opposite way. I think the Bears do just enough to beat the Lions. Uh, I like the idea of of Cleo Mack going up against a third string quarterback or even Jeff Driscoll if he's able to go. Um, I think the defense for the Bears is just too much for the backups for the Lions. I have the Bears 17-13.
0: The game of the day on Thanksgiving is the Buffalo Bills. They have third rate defense traveling to Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. That that uh. Number one total offense, and the Dallas Cowboys look—they are underachieving for a reason. It's uh, like Jerry Jones is the main culprit here, but it's because they don't have a coach that could make the talent constantly play at a high level. The Cowboys have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, and they constantly underachieve. And on the flip side, the Bills—yes, um, they have a very talented defense, but. Uh, and some pieces on offense, but their roster talent is not quite there with the Cowboys, but the reason why they've been able to win eight games even against uh, sub-power competition, coaching. Sean McDermott, and I love what they're doing on both sides of the ball. I think Josh Allen has a very good game, and a certain former Cowboy has a pretty good game in this one as well. I like the Buffalo Bills and that defense on the road, 24-17. to
1: you have it pegged. This is Cole Beasley revenge game. I've been thinking that all week. I think he's going to have a monster game against these guys. Look, Josh Allen, if you get good Josh Allen, the Bills are a very, very good football team. If you get bad Josh Allen, they're a very mediocre football team. But I think their defense does just enough to stifle the Cowboys. Josh Allen does just enough. I think he he wins a lot with his legs here on Thursday. Short week, I think that, that the Bills are going to outscheme Jason Garrett and the Cowboys. Jason Garrett came out and said in an interview – that he doesn't have anything to do with analytics. Cocoon!
0: On the cocoon! Establishment alert! I hate the NFL establishment. Jason Garrett is one of the faces of that establishment.
1: He does not believe in analytics. Look, I'm not a huge analyst guy. I'm not the guy that needs to sit there with a the calculator and figure out everything, but you need to have a little bit of that in you. He doesn't, and he, he's really paying for it. And we're seeing his old school mentality just really drive this team into the ground. I've got the Bills taking this one too.
0: Yeah, the uh, third game, the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons win over the Saints in the Superdome a couple weeks ago. Turned out to be a fluke, as we saw last week against the Buccaneers, and I think it will turn out to be even more of a fluke this week, as the Saints should take care of business. Uh, and I think they uh, win this one uh, that's more low-scoring than most people expect, let's say 24-13. to 13.
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, yeah, that, that was a fluke when the Fal- when the Falcons beat the Saints. Is an aberration on, more on the Falcons' side than on the Saints' side. I think the Saints are very beatable. I think the Saints are beatable, um, which is not what I thought a couple weeks ago, but their cracks really started to show. I just don't think the Falcons can repeat that same performance. I've got the Saints in this one, too.
0: The Cleveland Browns, in the rematch of the fight, travel of Pittsburgh to take on uh, Duck Hodges at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Baker Mayfield, after a horrific start to the season, has been on fire these past uh, three to four weeks. But I think it ends with this Steelers defense. This is going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring. But I think I got to go with Pittsburgh at home. If this was in Cleveland, I might take the Browns again. But it's in Pittsburgh. I like the Steelers at that defense to eke out a Nuggler. Ugly 16 to 10 win.
1: I, I, I got to go outside in here. I think the Browns are rolling. I think their offense is finally starting to get, get going. And I think they're starting to feed. Odell Beckham which is what they should have been doing from the beginning of the year I don't understand why you're not just trying to feed him the ball it's one of the top three wide receivers in the league just get him the ball get him the ball look Duck Hodges outside of his one touchdown pass against the Bengals he didn't really do a whole lot he was game manager he did okay um you know James Conner still banged up Juju Smith-Schuster I don't know if he's gonna play he's still banged up I'm taking the Browns in this one I think they keep it rolling and I think it's for the long-term detriment of the Browns. Because they should move on from Freddie Kitchens. But I think he's going to win enough games to get another year. And they're just going to be very mediocre again next year.
0: The New York Jets quietly on a three-game win streak. Traveling to Cincinnati to take out the winless Cincinnati Bengals. The win streak continues. And it's not going to be close. Even with Danny Dalton coming back. Uh, the uh, Jets and Sam Donald roll uh, 31-17. to
1: See, I think this is a trap game for the Jets. Because the Bengals... They want to win. I think Andy Dalton comes back motivated to win. I see Tyler Boyd having a big game. I think the Bengals get off the schneid. They they get their first win of the year. They have that breathing room, right? They got a two-game lead in the first overall pick category. I actually think the Bengals are going to pull off the upset this week against the Jets.
0: Oh, that's very fair. And the struggling Philadelphia Eagles travel to Miami for a much-needed get-well game against the Dolphins. And the Dolphins... Play hard for Brian Flores. Don't get me wrong, but uh, as long as the Eagles get, say, Elsha Jeffrey Edward or Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Howard back, they should take care of business rather easily in this one. Let's say uh, twenty-eight to fourteen.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of speculation that um, there's a rift between Carson Wentz and his receivers who don't seem to be kind of you know hustling back from injury um and, and when they are in the field he double clutches a lot because he doesn't trust that they're running the correct routes uh but i think you said it, it it's it's a get well game i like philly's defense i think they're pretty i think they're a very good defense actually um and i think they they do enough to strangle hold on put a stranglehold on the dolphins eagles take this one
0: one of the more important games of the week in terms of afc playoff pitchers The Tennessee Titans traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts, and Raya Tannehill's been on fire, but the Titans have been a very inconsistent team this year, as have the Colts. It's the battle of two inconsistent teams. I, this is a coin flip for me, man.
1: Yeah, you said it, and I'll take this one first, because I'm taking the Titans, I'm riding the hot hand right now. You're right, Tannehill has been, has been inconsistent. (laughs) You know, as we said, he's four and one, he's winning football games. He's not doing anything crazy. I don't think this is a game where he does anything crazy. I think they hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and they let that monstrosity of a running back carry them through this win.
0: I think I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans too, because, uh, when uh, they had Marcus Mariota in their first meeting, they only lost uh, to the Colts uh, 19-17. And this game is going to be similarly ugly, but I just think Ryan Tannehill is playing much better than Jacoby Brissett is right now. And for that reason alone, I'm going with the Titans, let's say, uh, 17-16, dare I say. It's going to be very, very close. And the Green Bay Packers also have another get-well game after uh, the uh, debacle in San Francisco, traveling to... The Meadowlands to take on the Giants. Uh, this is a get well game for their offense, and I think they get it. Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. They put up 34 points against the Giants. Said they win rather easily. Let's say 34 to 13. This is my lock of the week.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think uh, I think the, the Packers. I think Preston and Darius Smith, the brothers Smith. I think they terrorized Daniel Jones all game. I think Aaron Rodgers gets the offense back to rolling. Devontae, you know, Devontae Adams finally starting to get back and get healthy and get into a rhythm. Packers role in
0: this one. The uh, Redskins, and I should change their name on this show to the Washington Sell the Teams, dare I say, because uh, fans <laughs> a couple games ago were, sh- were chatting, sell the team, sell the team. And we are with you, Redskins fans. We are uh, joining you in a grassroots movement to force Daniel Snyder, the worst owner in pro sports, not just in the NFL, in pro sports, period, to sell that proud franchise away to a more competent owner uh, and uh, they traveled to Carolina to take out the Panthers, and I think the Panthers get off the schneid at this game and win, uh, let's say, uh, Christian McCaffrey is a big game. They win 27-16, uh, to uh, 16, dare I say.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Look, and they weren't just chanting sell the team. In the Lions game, they also had folks sitting in the club level wearing neon yellow shirts, and they sat in, in order, and it said sell the team. They spelled it out right in the club level. The the Redskins fans are committed to getting Dan Snyder out of there. I don't blame them. My wife is a Redskins fan. She wants Dan Snyder to go. She's wanted him to go. I agree. Worst owner in sports. Panthers take this one. Christian McCaffrey with a big day. Kyle Allen keeps it rolling after the Saints game. I like the Panthers big.
0: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, fresh off an impressive win over the Falcons, travel to Jacksonville to take on Nick Foles and the really Jaguars. ah, this is another coin flip because you never know which Jameis Winston you're going to get, but Nick Foles on the other hand, uh, you don't know which version of Nick Foles you're going to get, but he's been struggling badly lately. But that said, uh, the Buccaneers secondary gives him an opportunity, but Matt Ryan couldn't get anything done against them last week. And I, it, it easily could go the other way, but I think I'm going to go with the hotter hand Tampa in this one. Uh, let's say, uh, A pretty high-scoring game, twenty-eight to twenty-four.
1: Yeah, you know it is going to be. I think it's going to be a little bit more high-scoring than folks think. Um, I'm going to take the Jaguars in this one. I think they get a bounce-back game here, Um, especially if they go back to Minshew. I don't think they are, but I think Nick Foles pulls this one together. I'm only taking the Jaguars because they're at home. I think it's high-scoring. I think it's close. I think it comes down to whoever has the ball last.
0: The uh, reeling Los Angeles Rams, coming off that forty-five to six. Drubbing at home to the Ravens on Monday night, they traveled to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Uh, I will call this my upset special of the week, but uh, on this, but when you go into the details, uh, it really isn't an upset special. This game is going to prove the direction the Cardinals are going in and the direction the Rams are going in. I like Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to come out with a fresh game plan, fresh off a of bye, and uh, really stick it to that Rams defense, both on the ground with Kyler Murray's legs and the legs of uh, Kenya Drake or David Johnson or Chase Edmonds, and uh, really uh, hurt the Rams in a similar way the Ravens did on Monday night. The uh, Cardinals uh, come away with a 28-21 uh, to 21 win.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you on this one, too. I think the Cardinals take this one. Uh, I don't want to say Lamar Jackson gave the, the Cardinals a, a, a blueprint on how to beat them, uh, but but Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson are similar players. I think Kyler Murray has a little bit better arm talent. I think I think uh, Lamar Jackson's a better runner. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Cardinals as well. I, I think Cliff Kingsbury has the offense clicking, has it firing on all cylinders. The Rams, like you said— they're reeling. I don't think that they know how to deal with this adversity. I don't think they have the personalities and the head coaches and, and it's the coaches in general to really gather this team together. Um, look, Wade Phillips, fantastic defensive coordinator when things are going well. I think when things kind of start to go sideways, he doesn't have it to pull everyone together and, and get it done. I think Kingsbury out schemes. Wade Phillips, Cardinals take this one.
0: Two teams going absolutely nowhere, meeting in the Mile High City as the uh, Los Angeles Chargers in what could be Phillip Rivers' final game at uh, Empower Field at Mile High, the, now the current name of the stadium, going against the Denver Broncos, and Drew Locke could be making his first start. And I'm a big Broncos fan, as you know, but mm-hmm. never, ever more in my life have I wanted the Broncos to lose a game more than this one, because if they lose this game they fall from the fifth overall pick and i think they need a top five pick all the way to 13 and fall behind the chargers i do not want that to happen so please understand me fellow broncos fans i am just looking long term here it's better for the long term for the broncos to lose this weekend than to win but both of these teams have been very bad this season but there's one difference maker coming back his name is drew james that is just enough to pull out an ugly victory and uh it's going to be closer than the score suggests because I think the Chargers get some of their points out uh, of short field. But let's say Chargers 20, Broncos 9.
1: I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to disappoint Broncos fans everywhere. I'm taking the Broncos. And I think it's because Vic Fangio does enough to scheme a win against noodle arm Phillip Rivers. I think Rivers is done. I think he's just his his arm is just failing him. It looks like Peyton Manning when his arm started to go right. You know he just doesn't have the zip on the throw anymore. He he's he's not making the same reads because he doesn't trust his arm like he used to. So I think the Broncos do enough to win this game at home in front of the fans and like you said fall to 13th overall in the in the in the draft order.
0: I hope you're wrong, Matt. I seriously hope you are. And uh, the Raiders, after that disaster show against the Jets, traveled to Kansas City to take out the Chiefs and Arrowhead. I wanted to pick the Raiders as my upset special, but I just can't because not only did they play poorly against the Jets, Derek Carr absolutely struggles in cold-weather games, and the temperatures are going to be the 30 they at Arrowhead, and the Raiders are missing a very underrated component of their offense. That is Hunter Renfro. Renfro, outside of Darren Waller, who has been a reliable safety blanket for uh, Derek Carr than Hunter Renfro, I would say not even Tyrell Williams has. And yes, the Chiefs' defense is suspect, but I just don't trust that Raiders secondary against Patrick Mahomes. And I think the uh, Chiefs do enough to eke out a 31-20 to win.
1: Yeah, I, I again, I agree with you um you know the Chiefs are coming off a bye and I think yeah. that they can't be overstated. Yeah, um, Reid is
0: excellent coming off byes. He really that. is.
1: He knows he's had two weeks to prepare for this. The the Raiders just went east, they laid an egg. They got to come back almost halfway across the country again. So they're not having a, a short travel here. Um it, the Chiefs I think they're going to be they're going to be ready to go. They're ready to come back and prove. Like I said the Patriots seem like they're falling off a little bit. The Texans kind of laid an egg. The, the, the Chiefs want to prove that, hey, we're still here. We're still a very good football team. We still came within a default offsides of being in the Super Bowl. They still have to prove. I still think they have a lot to prove this year, and I think they're going to come out and they're going to shellack the Raiders. I think they're really going to take it to Gruden and the Raiders.
0: The Patriots on Sunday night traveled to Houston to take out the Texans. A battle between Deshaun Watson and that excellent Patriots defense. And yes, uh, Tom Brady, uh, father time appears to be showing signs of uh, coming to him right now. But uh, on the other hand, their defense is just playing out of this world. And Stephon Gilmore, uh, if Nick Bosa wasn't a rookie, Nick Bosa would be Defensive Player of the Year, but since Nick Bosa is a rookie, I give Defensive Player of the Year honors to Stephon Gilmore, and him going against DeAndre Hopkins is easily the best matchup of the week, and I honestly think uh, he wins that battle against DeAndre Hopkins, because uh, as much as I love DeAndre Hopkins, Jalen Ramsey shut him down earlier this year, and I fully expect Stephon Gilmore to do the same, and uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, uh, Bill Belichick pretty much had his number last time, and and unless Deshaun Watson goes bonkers in this game, I think the Patriots come away with a uh, twenty-three to seventeen win.
1: I'm going to disagree. I think the Texans win. I don't think it's because of Deshaun Watson. I think it's because the Patriots offense just doesn't have it anymore. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, um, and I think you're going to see Deshaun Watson do just enough. I like I like the combination of Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson in the backfield for the Texans as well. Uh, I, look, I got I have them taking it. It's going to be close. It's not going to be a fun one to watch. It's going to be boring. It's going to be a lot of punts uh, because I think both defenses are going to kind of have their way with the opposing offenses. But I'm taking the Texans by a field goal in that one. Uh,
0: That would make Ravens fans very, very happy. And last but not least, I'd be the most important game of the week in terms of the NFC playoff seedings. The Vikings and Kirk Cousins, fresh off of my travel to Century League Field to take on the Seattle Seahawks. And a couple matchups ago, uh, last year, uh, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings laid at egg in Seattle. But when he was with the Redskins, his final year with the Redskins, Kirk Cousins outdueled Russell Wilson in a shootout. And I see a shootout here because the, the Seahawks secondary, yes, they've played better in recent weeks. But that was against a depleted 49ers receiving core and a depleted Eagles receiving core. This is different going up against Stephon Diggs and likely Adam Thielen who returns and the best running back in football in Dalvin Cook. I am going to go with Kirk Cousins of the Vikings in a shootout, thirty-one to twenty-eight over the Seahawks.
1: I got to stick with you on this one too. I think the Vikings go into Seattle and I think they win. Um, it's look, you said it, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, um, Irv Smith Jr. starting to come into his own a little bit as a tight end as well. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I, the 49ers put up a, d- a good amount of points. You know, they put up twenty-four points against the Seahawks. The the Eagles made. The Seahawks' defense looked good. Seahawks' defense has a lot of holes in it, especially in the secondary. I, I think that they aren't as good as people just kind of assume they are, right? That's one of those preconceived notions about the Seahawks is their defense is just super good. I don't think it's that good. I think Russell Wilson's incredible. Like I said, up until about you know three weeks ago, he was my runaway MVP. I think the Vikings do win. I think it's very close. And, again, I think this, is, this comes down to who has the football last here. Because I think these two these two quarterbacks are going to duel it out and, and just tear up both of these secondaries.
0: Or uh, which defense do you trust more to make a big play? And I trust Daniel uh, Hunter and Everson Griffin and that Vikings defense far more to make a big play than I do the Seahawks defense. So that settles it. And now let's go on to our bowl predictions for this Thanksgiving week of NFL football. And I will start with Cole Beasley, who we mentioned. And I think he goes berserk against his former team on Thanksgiving, catching 10 passes, for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Matt, what is your bold prediction for week thirteen?
1: Uh my bold prediction. My bold prediction, man. I think Thielen and Diggs both put up 150 yards receiving. I think they both put up at least one touchdown, and I think Stefan Diggs is gonna grab two. So I've got three hundred yards and three touchdowns between Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen.
0: Ooh, that's a bold prediction indeed and would make a Kirk Cousins fantasy owner like me very, very happy. And last <laughs> but not least, our challenge flags. Matt, you go first here. Who is your challenge flag for this week?
1: My challenge flag. My challenge flag. Man, I am throwing it at the Browns. At the Browns. They are still alive in the, in the playoff in the playoff hunt. This is a must-win game. They have all that emotion coming off the, low, the way the, the last Steelers and Browns game ended. We all know how that went down. I'm throwing my challenge flag at the Browns to go in and win a division game on the road and prove this is not the same old Browns. Still live in a playoff hunt. God, this is a must-win game for them. I'm throwing my challenge flag at Cleveland.
0: My challenge flag goes to the Houston Texans. Do not make the same mistake your in-state neighbors the Dallas Cowboys did and scheme creative ways to get DeAndre Hopkins open against DeFond Gilmore. It doesn't matter how talented DeAndre Hopkins is. He's going against arguably the best defensive player in football right now. And Amari Cooper didn't register even a catch against Stephon Gilmore last week. And Amari Cooper is a top 10 receiver in this league. And you have a top 5 receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe even the best receiver in this league right now. But you have to scheme ways to get him open against skillware because you know Bill Belichick is going to take him away or going to at least try to so be creative and scheme him open and he is Matt Barr ladies and gentlemen the co-host of the 4th and Gold podcast check out that podcast on iTunes and follow him on Twitter at Matt Barr underscore and Matt thank you very much and that's it for today here on Sports Crutch but we'll be back next week to preview week 14 of the 2019 NFL season and next month we also start our 2020 NFL draft coverage so stay tuned but in the meantime be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com and remember that's crutch with the K. and if you enjoy these podcast episodes please consider leaving us an itunes review at donating to our patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our itunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like matt you can also follow me on instagram and twitter at dcrob 59 for matt bar this is david kreml saying so long stay awesome as usual and matt to you and to everybody listening happy thanksgiving take care everybody enjoy the week